0: Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. Boy, they sure do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week, available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to get the free app for iDevices at the iStore. It's free, it works well, so check that out. And don't forget, you can always reach us and listen to the show at our website, wefishasa.com. Wefish A is produced by our executive producer, the one and only Brad Neerman down in Lando Lakes, Florida. Hey there, Brad, how you doing? Today we've got Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Mike Leonard from the American Sport Fishing Association is going to visit us, talk about all the fantastic things that great organization is doing. And I'm going to get to visit with the Tin Man himself, Mr. John Cox, just off a big tournament win down on Lake of the Ozarks. John Cox is one of the best, can't
1: wait to talk to him. But first, let me hand off to Mr. Dave Kranz. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on Earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston.
2: Hey, Dave. How are
1: you? Oh, I am doing good. You know, it's early in the spring uh, here in the Midwest, and uh, things are turning green. Water is warming up. People are planning trips. We do this topic about once a year, uh, New Lakes or River Strategies. What kind of planning should the listeners put into uh, a trip before they even get there? And I think this is a good topic.
2: It is. It's good because, you know, most of us don't have a ton of time. And obviously it's beneficial for us to show up being prepared and catching fish because catching fish is fun. Right. So we, you know, we look at this topic and it's really universal for all species. And what, what I mean by that is if I'm going to a brand new bass lake, especially a lake, um, I'll, I'll want to do a little bit of research on a few things, high level, like what's the weather been like? Um, what time of year is it? Of course. Um, but, but then I'll get a lot more specific. What's the forage base? Um, is it, is it, does it have a lot of vegetation? Is it rock? Is it wood? Um, are there, deep, deep areas or is it a reservoir type thing really does a lot because not only does it help us get our heads around the type of strategy we're going to present, lure presentations, where we're going to start, um, leads you to believe that you have a higher probability of showing up that day having in the boat what you need because how many times and I fall victim to this too is I'll show up in an area I'm like man I wish I'd have brought this they'd have really did it today and if I'd have done my homework it, I would have been a lot better off so I think that you know and we talk about organizing tackle in the winter time and you know doing all the things with our rods and our reels and our boat and getting rigged but Prepping the lake you're going to is important, too, especially if we've never been there before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things I like to do is look at, uh, you know, this wonderful Internet thing. You can look up almost anything. Look at fishing reports for that lake or lakes in that area that are similar. If you don't get the exact same lake, those can be helpful. Uh Tournament stats, not necessarily going forward if you're doing your research in the winter or before you go on your trip. But even past years would give you an idea, providing like what you said, if the water levels and all that kind of thing are, are the same. There there are a lot of options of trying to figure things out ahead of time. Well, and the, one of the biggest
2: tools that I use now for this, um, and I use it hunting a lot too, is go. It's absolutely ridiculous because you can zoom up and you can find things, you can see things, you know, drop-offs and areas where the deep water hits the bank and you can see those things on Google Earth and it's, I probably spend more time on that than I do any other for preparing going fishing, even over past tournament results and talking to locals and all those things because it shows you what you want to see, obviously, literally from a high level, but you can get really specific about, you know, based on what I'm seeing here, where would I start? What, what am I going to try to target? And then if you fire up your uh, Lake master and avionics in it, it'd be lethal.
1: Absolutely. It's, um, it's a great tool. I remember a tournament I was doing on the Mississippi river and, uh, I, um, the section that I was fishing, I hadn't been to before. And my tournament partner and I went up there to practice the first day. And I had mentioned that I was going to go hit a couple certain areas. And we had a run about 12 miles from where we put in. And I ran it and I came down and he, we got there. And I said, Oh, yeah, we just go around these three buoys and then there's a wing dam over here and we'll go back to this area. And he, he said, Did you come down, you know, b- before? you know, we got here, he says, you just ran it like you've been doing it all the time. And I said, I've been here every day for the last two weeks and I did it on Google Earth.
2: Well, it, it, and I tell you a little story on the upper Mississippi river, I was doing Google Earth and I saw this area where the watercolor was really weird. That was like, man, that's odd. So I kept zooming and zooming and zooming and I got real specific and I found there was a little tiny feeder creek culvert type thing coming in. I had no idea I'd run by it a hundred times. And I found that thing, and I idled over to it. Had to get the trolling motor, and got over to it. And sure enough, there it was. And when you get rain, that thing spits out all this fresh muddy water, and it's become a great little spot for me, you know. And it was a hundred percent Google Earth, or I wouldn't have found that, you know. So I, I think Google Earth's just one thing, you know. A, a, a lot of it um, also is, you know, bait fish, bottom composition, you know, because it really, when you look at it a crappie is a crappie and a bass is a bass and sure they have their local nuances no question but if your crayfish are a different color a certain time of year than other places those things matter. you know what kind of shad are in the lake um what size are the shad generally speaking for a certain time of year and all of these things the better we can understand it it's amazing how much your luck increases
1: Yeah. And and this can apply to places maybe you haven't gone in a decade or two. You know, 10 or 20 years ago, you had spots, you went to them. But as you're saying, maybe the bait changed. in our home body of water here on the Fox River and Fox Chain of Lakes. We didn't have shad 20 years ago. They weren't here. And then they came up from the Mississippi into the Illinois River, into the Fox River. and, And now we have the eagles, because they feed on those shad, and they die out, and they, you know, we see more pelicans stopping going north and coming south because there's a there's a shad forage base here, so don't just think this is for places that you've never been, but maybe places you haven't been for a long time.
2: Yeah, and I, I, I agree 100%, and it really segues into under just letting the fish tell you what to do, and I, I, I did a recent podcast with you um, when we were at down lake of the ozarks and i did all that based on you know history and all the information i got went down there and my plan plan a was an absolute bust 100 percent. i couldn't have been more wrong and i figured okay i can grind this out and try to catch three all day or i could audible and start doing some other things and let the fish tell me what to do put the trolling motor on high until i get a bite. And figure out why this fish bit it, how it bit it, where it was, and then try to apply it to other areas of the lake. So you always have to resort to that, no matter how much preparation that you do, because more times than not, we're proven wrong. All of us are. Uh, but but it's important being prepared it definitely increases your chances of success quicker than having to completely let the fish tell you everything. If you know the bottom composition and what the the layout of the lake is, or does the water clarity change by mile marker, for example, on a big lake, is it dirtier with the farther you run away from the dam? Generally speaking, yes, that's true. But some lakes it happens a lot more than others, you know? So I, I think all of these things are just, uh, are really important and it's fun. You know, it, it's like, it's like, you know, Preparing for a football or a basketball game or golf or whatever sport you play, practice makes perfect. And a lot of practice is preparation, both on the mental side and then also understanding what you're competing against.
1: Absolutely. And there is one thing that is, uh, never a a bad thing to do is you call a local tackle store up there, tell them what time of year you're going to be there, and they can tell you what's going on that time of year. And you may be planning to go and say, hey, I want to catch smallmouth bass. But maybe at the time of year you're going, you know, the the tackle uh, owner or or employee will tell you, boy, that is a great time of year. We catch a lot of nice northern pike that time of year. So that might help you bring the right equipment based on that kind of information. And you can't ever go wrong calling a, a local tackle store. They want you to be successful they want you to catch fish they want you to tell other people how well you did so other people come to that area
2: I try to go in there and I go in there for two reasons number one the first reason you said talk to somebody about the local juice you know and and a lot of times you're talking to somebody and they're oh man you work for St. Croix and they start telling you all these things it's like oh great you know that's fine but bigger reason I go in there is you all most tackle shops have been very blessed I've been throughout them all over the country for decades with my job and I'll see the local lure maker selection of some little hot thing that some local guy's making. Or, or you look at the colors that they carry, that the peg hooks that are empty. Ask them, what was that you know, on that peg hook that's out? Oh, it's this one color. For some reason, on this lake, they bite it great. And that's great for that lake. But I've learned so much about finding things in other regions that work at home, too. Big time. And I can say that especially about the southeast, the things I've found in at the East Tennessee Sports Show that have become some of my go to baits that I never see up here came from a completely different market by going to that show and local dealers in that area. Huge thing you're bringing up there. And it's really important helping you be successful and most importantly, more diverse, being different, throwing things other people aren't.
1: Yeah. And asking them what colors work best for that color water. And and then like you said, use that at home, use it in other places. If they say, yeah, this is a, a, you know, a a tea colored uh, water uh, color here, or this is a muddy water, or this is a clear water color. And and remember what those are and go back home and do the same thing and going to have nothing but good success, right?
2: That's the fun. That's the fun of it—is doing this recon and trying to get a leg up on your competition and your buddies. That's what makes it fun, you know. And we all have our things, Dave. There's there's things as good a friend as you are. I'll probably never tell you about the tweets <laughs> I do on Bates until I'm on my deathbed, and you'll have to force it out of me then. <laughs> but that's the fun of it. That's the fun of it. That's it. That's what makes us. That's what makes us go. And it's just really, uh, I, we. The, the blessing is there's so many people we can learn from. If you just lean on it and get information and go into stores and, you know, it helps the industry, but it certainly helps your fishing.
1: Absolutely. And that's what's always good about interviewing a Dan Johnston and getting the good information, ideas, putting them to work. And as always, Dan, thanks for being on the program and I look forward to talking to you next week. Hey, thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Oh, no problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast is always brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on Earth. We will be right back.
0: Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch power and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on Earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish?
2: Well, that's simple keep our waterways clean and free of litter you know tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move pitch them in the trash do your part and join me
1: visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it welcome back to the Wheatfish Fish ASA podcast I am Dave Kranz this segment is brought to you by Calcutta an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors, I always like to say that the guests I have on this segment have a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly does. He has been on before. He is Mike Leonard, Vice President of Governmental Affairs with the American Sport Fishing Association. And he comes on and gives us a uh, about a quarterly update. How you doing, Mike?
3: I'm doing all right, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, the passion for the outdoors stuff. Um, certainly talk a lot about fishing. Don't get to do as much of it. I have gotten into hunting. And have not had any spring turkey hunting success. So I do have the passion. It's sometimes the follow through and what you're out there for that I still struggle with.
1: Yeah, it, it's uh, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of fun. But uh, uh, the things you get to see when you fish or hunt or trap and enjoy the outdoors are like none other than th- other people can go outside and do different things. But those three things really... Um, help you become a better outdoors person and realize what's really out there. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's a, that connection that you make when you're interacting at that level with uh, with these fish and wildlife resources. It it definitely gives you a stronger appreciation.
3: And hopefully for a lot of folks, it makes them want to you know work to help conserve it for future generations and um, relates to a lot of the uh, less fun but equally important conservation and policy stuff that, that folks like me get to work on.
1: Yeah, and you and you do a great job with it. And uh what's going on up there on Capitol Hill these days? What are you working on and what should we be concerned about?
3: Yeah, well appreciate it. Um, you know, so I'm in the DC area. Uh ASA's got a, a team of folks all around the country working on a sport fishing policy conservation. You know, we're a trade association, so every now and then we get involved in tax and trade issues too. But um, Yeah, it's been, you know, as always, never a dull moment in Washington, D.C., working with Congress. It's been a bit of a a bumpy start um, to get things uh, going for this, you know, very closely divided Congress and, uh, you know, differently split between Democrats holding the Senate, Republicans holding the House. But, you know, we like to think in the fisheries, conservation, outdoor recreation community, we're still one of those few areas where folks across the aisle can come together and actually work to get things done. When they're, when they're disagreeing over everything else, you'd like to think that uh, having healthy fisheries resources and, uh, and healthy natural resources for uh, a, a large segment of their constituents to be able to continue to, uh, to fish and, um, and have healthy waterways. That's still something that doesn't matter where you are on the political spectrum that you can come together and support. Um, so yeah, a few things just to Touch base on, um, especially to, to put on your listeners' radar. Uh, first thing that uh, we are in the farm bill cycle, so folks may be aware that every five years Congress reauthorizes the farm bill, which is a, a massive, you know, billion-plus dollar federal program that um, does a lot of things, including a lot of subsidies and uh, different policy operations for the farming, the agricultural community, also. <laughs> runs the gauntlet from that to, uh, you know, a lot of food assistance programs like SNAP. Um, so there's a bunch in it, but it's a program that those of us in the fishery space have been looking at and thinking, you know, this isn't just about farmers. It's not just about food assistance, but there's a lot in here for fisheries, too. And it's an area that we need to be uh, getting more involved in. And making sure lawmakers understand that a lot of these conservation programs, you know, it, it's been said this is one of the largest conservation programs that Congress works on each uh, each cycle. And it's true. I mean, it's, uh, again, over a billion dollars mm. in um, conservation programs that go to help private landowners, working farms to um, implement conservation programs that help wildlife. So you've got a lot of uh, wildlife groups like uh, Ducks Unlimited, Pheasants Forever that have had a long-standing interaction with the farm bill, but it does a lot for fisheries too. If you think of uh, different programs to help, um, control runoff, control, um, uh, nitrogen discharges into water bodies. Um, that's all, if it's good for the farmers and we can provide incentives and, um, and things like that to help them, um, do these operations in a more uh, environmentally friendly way. Ultimately that'll help the fish too. So, um, We've helped put together a coalition along with groups like the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, uh, BASS, uh, Trout Unlimited, a bunch of others to um, highlight this fisheries and the farm bill concept that um, it's something that uh, needs to be part of the discussion in a lot of programs like conservation easements, conservation reserve program, um, not just on the, the water quality side, but also there's things like the voluntary public access program that provides incentives for farmers to allow the public to go out there and recreate, including fish, on these properties, um, a, a lot, a lot good in here for recreational fishing. And so we've put to help put together this coalition and are working with, um, folks on the Senate agriculture, house agriculture committee as they're starting to piece together this 2023 farm bill. Cause again, it happens 35 years. Yeah. But these programs that are really important to fisheries, um, get the attention that they deserve. And, um, maybe build up to in the future to where we can help grow these programs and do more for conservation and for fishing access in the farm bill. So it's been a sort of a a new endeavor for us, but probably long overdue and something really doesn't matter where in the country you are, unless you're in a big city. uh, These are programs that really do benefit recreational fishing across the country and a space that we should be playing more in.
1: Absolutely. It makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, um, Like you said, the runoff, the, the chemicals that they use, the nitrogen that, you know, Creates weed growth, uh, algae blooms, things like that affects all of the uh, wildlife that's out there. And yeah, g- glad you're in that arena. And and you're right, we should be there. What else we got going on?
3: Yeah, there's another bill that uh, if folks want to learn more and maybe get engaged, and you know, this is probably something we'll touch on at the end, but we'll we'll mention it now. Um, you know, it's really important not just for you know policy wonks like me to be getting involved in stuff like this, but for anglers across the country to get engaged and we we try at ASA to help folks do that, to learn about these issues and provide easy tools for them to engage. Uh, If you go to keepamericafishing.org, you'll you'll see a ton of information as well as issues like the one I'm getting ready to talk about that you can quickly, um, just through a few clicks, contact your legislators and let them know that these things are important to you. Um, So yeah, there's a bill that was recently introduced called the Protecting Access for Hunters and Anglers Act that deals with sort of a tricky issue within recreational fishing, and that's lead fishing tackle. But, you know, I think just about everybody that fishes has encountered, uh, you know, whether split shots or, or bullet weights or you name it. There's um, there's a lot of lead that's heavily used throughout the fishing industry and is really an important part of uh, fishing. You know, I, I try sometimes to upgrade the tungsten when I can, but also can sometimes be a deterrent. Uh, And there's sometimes applications where um, these alternative materials just just don't have the same uh, malleability or performance as lead. So um, if anglers want to choose to move to alternative materials, that's great. More power to you. What we don't want to see is the government coming in and without any sort of legitimate scientific basis, restricting lead fishing tackle, which we have seen in different parts of the country, including at the federal level. last year the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service um, announced a proposal to phase out or restrict lead fishing tackle on ammunition in several national wildlife refuges where it was creating new fishing opportunities. So we liked the part about creating new fishing opportunities, but this sort of camel's nose under the tent of we're not going to let you use lead fishing tackle without any scientific justification uh, to us is really problematic. So Mm -hmm. this Protecting Access for Hunters and Anglers Act uh, it doesn't say that federal agencies can never uh, don't have any ability to ever restrict lead fishing tackle, but it says it has to be based on clear science showing that there is a legitimate need. That you know, there's a wildlife population that's being harmed, um, something like that that has scientific basis, as opposed to you know, some environmental group sued us and, and we're caving to it, which. Uh, unfortunately, frankly, is what drives decision-making sometimes. Um, Yep,
1: yep, it does. That and that the state fish and wildlife that's that's managing these fisheries resources has to
3: sign off on it. So, um, you know, we think, by and large, fish and wildlife need to be based on science, and the state fish and wildlife agencies uh, tend to do a pretty good job of that. We don't need uh, federal agencies without any legitimate reasoning coming in and preventing people's ability to use certain types of fishing equipment or how they can fish or that type of thing. So this bill would help rectify that, get science back to leading management,
1: and uh, again, would encourage folks to go to Keep America Fishing and weigh in in support of that bill. Makes sense to me, KeepAmericaFishing.org, and they'll keep you updated on that. Uh, we got a couple minutes left. What what else is on the plate that they can pay attention to?
3: Yeah, so farm bill, lead fishing tackle, and I'm going to throw another uh, out-of-left-field one. This is right whales. So, switching to the marine side, and we may have talked about this on past episodes, we've got a, uh, I was going to say a whale of an issue, but that's too bad of a pun. Uh, we've, got a pretty, we've got a pretty big issue on our hands here. Uh, pretty much anyone that likes to go offshore on the Atlantic coast um, could very well be affected by ongoing challenges we're dealing with with right whales, which is an endangered whale. There's only about 340 of them left. Um the primary, uh, well, there's a lot going on with right whales, but the primary human-caused impacts to right whales are entanglements with lobster gear in the Northeast. Folks may have seen some issues in the news with you know, Whole Foods not selling Maine lobster anymore. There's, that's, that's one side of the equation that doesn't really impact us. But there was a proposal last summer to implement speed restrictions on any boat above 35 feet all along the Atlantic coast, in an effort to protect these 300 or so right whales that are left. And, you know, as a community, we care about conservation. We care about whales, the entire marine ecosystem. But telling every recreational boater that wants to go offshore in a boat greater than 35 feet that um, you got this pretty severe speed limit for over half the year when there might not be a whale within 100 miles of you, and yet we all have to abide by this um, pretty severe speed restriction, uh, you know, it. It gets to a point where you're not going to be able to go offshore just because the amount of time it's going to take to to putz along, you're not going to have any time left for fishing. So we've already heard from boat manufacturers that sales are slumping, that they're getting calls from people saying they don't want that boat anymore because why would I have this if I can't use it for over half a year? So we've been pushing really hard to get science to support more reasonable, um, dynamic, real-time monitoring of these whales and therefore regulations that can be more adapted to hey, there's actually our whales in these areas. Maybe we can slow down for this time period until they're out of the area. Yep. As opposed to this proposal, which is, you know, over half the year, no matter what. So we've been pushing pretty hard back against that. Another one where if you go to Keep America Fishing, you can learn more.
1: There you go. Keepamericafishing.org. Mike, I always appreciate an update from you uh, and look forward to the next one.
3: Absolutely. Excellent. come up next time around, but uh, thanks for having me
1: on, Dave. Oh, no problem. That was Mike Leonard, Vice President of Governmental Affairs for the American Sport Fishing Association. Go to KeepAmericaFishing.org to stay updated. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Calcutta Outdoors. From bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products from fishing rods, combos, and tackle to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors.
0: Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG-4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Surley. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericanfishing.org. You know, if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting them at asafishing.org. With us right now, we've got one of my favorite guys ever. He's one of everybody's favorite guys. He's got a fan base like you wouldn't believe uh, he is always in a great mood, always got a smile on his face, and you know why? Because the guy fishes more than anybody on the planet. My goodness, he is a busy guy. Please welcome from DeBerry, Florida, the one and only Mr. John Cox. Hey, John, how you doing? Hey, Steve, how are you? I'm good. I just want to get this straight. This is the real John Cox, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: Yeah, this is this is the real John Cox. Uh, you know, it's kind of cool now. I actually jumped in the NPFL now, and uh, <laughs> I get to fish with the other John Cox. So,
0: oh, pretty neat. I, yeah. I didn't know you fished in those NPFLs. You know, for the people that don't know what I'm talking about right now, when was the first time I had you on? uh i was talking to you and i'm asking you questions about yeah i saw you on youtube man you, you're a good dancer i saw you dance you're like going oh, what is he talking about you know and we're talking and, and all of a sudden say you go steve uh i don't know if you're aware of this but there's another professional fisherman named john cox i believe you think you are talking to him not me <laughs> and uh we, yeah
4: i remember that
0: we we have laughed about that i said uh I said, I did that to Justin Lucas. I called him Justin Atkins through the whole interview. And then I, I, when it finally kicked in, I said, why didn't you say something? He goes, hey, it's your show. You want to call me anything? Go right ahead. I said, no. <laughs> and, and, and one day when we're at a Classic or at ICAS or something, I'll get a picture of you, me, and Lucas in the same picture. And this will be my wall of shame. I'll, I'll frame <laughs> right. that and mount it. nice. Nice. Uh, if I if I recall, you you have uh, uh, you're married. You have four kids, and you have a grandchild, correct?
4: Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a 37 year old grandpa. Ooh, uh,
0: <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> we we just had uh, we we just uh, we just had our first grandchild. Hello, baby Emily. First time you've been said hello to on a on a podcast with a with a famous fisherman on the line, but. Uh, she's just, she's just a little over a month old and it is so exciting, but I'm an old dog compared to you. You're the youngest grandpa around.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Uh,
0: That's good though. You'll be able to keep up.
4: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I introduced him to Slurpees the other day. So (laughs) now he, he throws a fit if he doesn't get a Slurpee.
0: Oh my goodness. (laughs) That is absolutely amazing. Uh, I say you're the you're the busiest fisherman. Y- you have fished virtually every circuit out there. Sometimes more than one at a time. Well, usually more than one at a time. To the point that does it hurt you fishing so much because it cuts into your practice time quite a bit?
4: Yeah, I'm, I mean you know some of the times every once in a while there'll, there'll be an event where I'm like, gosh, if I would have got practice. Uh, but just like this last one, you know, I, I I rolled into this last tournament, uh, Lake of the Ozarks, you know, I've never really fished it Fished for like a couple hours before a long time ago. And, uh, you know, I showed up with a day and a half of practice and, uh, and it actually helped me not really figuring it out, uh, in that day and a half that, that during the tournament, I just fished new water the whole time. So it was really, uh, you know, that one, it helped, uh, and it has helped in some, you know, just it gets you in this like fishing shape, you know, where you can, you can just better at making decisions, you know, you kind of know when they're not biting an area uh, and you can just kind of pick up and move no problem without, without even question,
0: you know. That is, that is interesting. And I, I want to thank you for, for joining me today, John, uh, because you just come off a couple of days ago, a huge win on the uh, Tackle Warehouse Invitational Circuit uh mm-hmm. of, of major league fishing you want a big event on lake of the ozarks we, we will talk about that uh but you, you you want it and then you're practicing the next day uh you just pulled over off the water to talk to me uh which i appreciate your sacrificing in half an hour of your valuable time uh learning uh, learning the water uh to to talk to us and let your fans hear your voice where are you right now
4: uh, right now I'm at, uh, Lay Lake. Uh, it's day two of the Bassmaster Elite practice. So I got the rest of it today, uh, tomorrow. And then this thing will kick off on Thursday. So, uh, yeah, it's a pretty exciting. And then a cool thing was winning that tournament that MLF won, uh, last week. Now I'm, I'm automatically in the Red Crest, uh, for next year, which is going to be here on Lay Lake. So it's kind of cool that you know how all that happened. I didn't even know that was uh part of the winnings, you know, if you won you got a automatic uh you know bid into that tournament, which is awesome, you know. So I'm excited.
0: Not not bad at not bad at all. Not bad at all. Be uh uh looking forward to seeing you fish there. I usually go to Red Crest, It's a great event and uh it'll it'll be good it'll be good to see you in that you know, you've had your share of the big tournaments. You fished in five classics, right?
4: Uh yeah, I think so. It, it, uh, quite <laughs> They, I don't they, mean, I can't. They start I can't One starts
0: turning up. into the same as the next after a while, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like i fished quite a few of them. The last one we just had in Knoxville, that was the, uh, that was my best finish so far. I think I got like fifth place. Um, but yeah, the Classic is also always an awesome event. I love going to that. Um, and hopefully this next year we'll have, Uh, Red Crest, I think the second or third week of March, and then the very following week, we'll have the Bassmaster Classic. Yeah. As long as we make
0: it. I Personally, I don't want anybody to give me a hard time from from the circuits, but I wish they'd space those things further apart.
4: (laughs) Yeah, 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 I know. I know, but, you know, it is what it is, I guess. It's like having
0: a World Series one week and a Super Bowl the next. Uh, Too many big events. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of traveling. Yeah, I, I, I can I can imagine. Oh, number of th- number of things to ask you. Uh, first of all, Florida. Uh, we we talk about a Florida curse that the the anglers that a uh, home state is Florida seem to struggle a lot. That's not necessarily the case with you, but it's not a big advantage to fish in your home state, is it?
4: Oh yeah, no. I I'm always Florida's the one where I'm like, oh gosh, please let me get through the Florida event. With a good finish, and, and the the times uh, that I've had a shot at AOI. it's always when I've got through the Florida event, and or not won AOI is because of the bad finish in the Florida event. So it's always, and that's the thing. Florida's tough; it, it changes constantly. You can't, you you could, you know, almost win the tournament one spot one year, go back the next, and they're nowhere near to be found. The area doesn't even look the same. Um, so yeah, I think I think the problem is is you know twenty uh whatever how many years it was it is that i've been fishing in florida fishing tournaments it's almost like i need to wipe it clean and forget <laughs> everything i know and just start over you know and do an actual practice like a lot of these places that i end up going to you know
0: well you know mother nature has a very uh very strange sense of humor with uh, the way she treats fishermen uh <laughs> you yeah. you know uh, they play. I, I wouldn't want to plan these tournaments they're planning, you know, they've got to find the right water. They're looking for big water that can handle the amount of boats, uh, handle the amount of crowd that comes out to see you, and uh, arrange it so it's hitting a period where they should be able to get big fish. And then all of a sudden it comes up to the tournament because weather has been so off the charts. All of a sudden you're in a in a lockdown uh mode where the fish don't want to bite at all and that wasn't what they figured and there's nothing you can do about it, right?
4: Right, yeah. And I mean that's the hardest thing. You know, sometimes we line up and we hit these places just right, and then other times we're either like a week or so late or early. And uh I mean it just happens, but uh it's still normally uh pretty decent fishing. Uh but I've I've seen it a lot where uh especially in some classics where Uh, I've gotten out there and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the week. And then the weather rolls in, sets them back another week. And then, you know, and then I end up not doing as well as I was hoping, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. How old did you say you were?
4: Um,
0: 37, going to be
4: 38 uh, in December.
0: 37 years old. (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, and and uh, career earnings of two and a quarter million dollars at the age of thirty-seven. And you've been doing this for how many years? Uh,
4: I think I've been fishing. I started fishing the FLW Tour in two thousand ten. So I guess we're 13 years. years
0: All right. So so add yeah, another thir- add another thirteen years at fifty at the age of fifty. That means you'll be over the four mi- four and a half million dollar mark. Jeez, oh my! That,
4: that'd be insane. God. I don't know if I'll make it that long.
0: Oh, I, please. I'm gonna
4: I'm gonna try to. It's uh, you know, it, it worries me uh, in this day and age with all the, uh, you know, all the younger kids and the electronics. They're so good with it, you know. So I'm just hoping I can keep hanging in there uh, for as long as I can, anyways. Uh,
0: you know what, my, uh, my my good my fishing buddy Dusty Baker, who uh, won the World Series with the uh, Houston Astros, uh, fortunate mm-hmm. to, fortunate to fish with him, and he always told me nobody ever wears out nobody nobody ever wears out you rust out from not doing things
4: right right
0: and it's as long long as you're active and you're busy and you're doing things you'll be fine nothing's going to stop you and and i think he's right in that regard and and if he is right you're the last guy in the world who's going to rust out because you don't stop for nothing
4: (laughs) well i hope he's right but yeah that's uh that's true you know I, I honestly, I just, I love it. Like I, every day of this, you know, even though I think right now, I think I'm six weeks straight right now, however many days that is, you know, with, with the in-between drive and in-between some of them. Um, but, man, I feel good. Like I'm excited about this week, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I just, I really enjoy it, really
0: love it. Tell me about this uh, Keith Carson who finished second to you at Lake of the Ozarks. I, I've heard that uh, you may know him a little bit better than most guys do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, he's my, uh, my team partner from
4: uh, when we started fishing the team tournaments together, Boat Club, uh, and then some of the other uh, team trails we fished. And, uh, you know, I got to know Keith. We both uh, lived right down the street from each other, and we would ride our bikes at Gemini Springs and uh fish from the shore all the time and uh, you know catching bedding fishing though we didn't know exactly that it was like we knew they were on white spots and stuff so it was really cool to finish one and two in that tournament it's, it's something we dream we dreamt of you know that was definitely not realistic we were like you know we might both be able to do this for a living one day but there's no way we're gonna go to a tournament finish one and two and come out of there you know it and, uh, and it happened last week you know which was just it was crazy and 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 even the, you know, my practice was kind of weird, and uh, I moved around too much. Was kind of kind of panicked because I only had that day and a half. And uh, and then Keith was like, "Hey, you can come over and fit the other side of the lake from where he's fishing." And I was like, "Okay." And I ended up doing that, you know. And then we both get first and second. So it was just pretty cool. Keith's an awesome guy. Uh, you know, I really enjoy getting to go into all the tournaments with him. And uh, man, we were like, we're looking forward to the next one. We're like, "Hey, let's do this
0: again." You know, I, I I got a funny feeling. If I interviewed Keith Carson, he's not going to say that he spent these years praying that one day he would finish second to John Cox in a big tournament.
4: <laughs> yeah, No, I, I'm sure, he, uh, you know, we were, we were both, when we left that morning, I said, you know, we were talking, we're like, man, we can come out of here, uh, with 130,000, you know, and, <laughs> Isn't uh, that something. Yeah. And it just unreal, you know, and that's what, and that's what we did. And, uh, you know, we had a similar instance happen uh, our first year fishing the FLW Tour. Uh, we were like three tournaments in. We were broke. Um, we really didn't know, uh, you know, we didn't know how we were going to make it through the season. And, you know, we came out of that tournament uh, out of the Red River uh, where I won the pro side and Keith won the cohangler side. side. Uh, you know, and we came out of there with like 120,000. So this was like, yeah this was like the next best thing you know to that you know that was similar so that is that is fantastic
0: that is fantastic john cox i need to take a break a lot of our sponsors have a word we'll be back in just a short amount of time and uh we're folks we're here visiting with the tin man himself mr john cox i'm steve surley this is we fish asa and we're coming right back
2: For most anglers, the unexpected is expected, but what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in category for technical clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry docked for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuable safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from AFTCO. Learn more at AFTCO.com Overboard.
0: Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control and finesse like no other reel on the market. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarley. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I'm very proud to be here with one of the nicest guys in fishing, one of the best fishermen on the water, Mr. John Cax. Hey, John. You know, I hear a lot of people say, I don't know if you said it on this event or not, I think you've said it before. I've heard a lot of fishermen say this. Uh, they're stymied during a tournament. It's the second day or the third day, and they're not uh, doing what they thought they'd be doing. The fish aren't behaving the way they thought they'd behaving. And, and, and the anglers will say, I decided to just clear my head and go fishing. Uh... Hmm. You've said that before, right?
4: Oh yeah, I mean that—that's uh, hey, ex- much what I do. At, what does that's that mean? Much what, I do
0: every day. what does that mean? I'm I'm just going to go fishing. Well, you're fishing, of course you're going to go yeah. fishing, but yeah. that's that's like, not what we're talking about, right?
4: No, I you know it's more of a you know no game plan, uh, just roll with the conditions, and uh, you know and that and that's that's kind of how I go every day. I mean I practice. Um, you know, the best I can, but I try not to worry about getting dialed in on, you know, any baits or, uh, you know, or, or, uh, an area, you know, I, I try to stay as open as I can, um, so that I'm able to, um, yeah, just, just make that, you know, make that move or call during the day. And, uh, it's no big deal, you know, cause I'm not really leaving anything that I'm like super set on. So I think that really helps. And, uh, when you went, you know, when you hit the lake with your buddy, you know, and you, you know, you you know, you guys just go out and you either start, you know, uh, you know, the first good-looking pocket you see or creek, or just go to your favorite spot that like you called them in the past and uh, and just start fishing, put the trolling motor down and go. <laughs> makes
0: makes makes sense to me. And, and, and when when you think about, it, you know, you guys and we we see it up close and personal every weekend on TV because they've got the cameras everywhere and they're following you. Um and, and we see how you're fishing and, it, and it's hard. You're fishing very hard. Uh it's it's probably hard to keep that smile on your face and pay attention to the to the people in the boat and, and what's going on outside your boat, but it it's a difficult, difficult thing, and there's a lot of pressure. And you're fishing hard. If right. if you and I just decided to spend a day going out on a lake and fishing, would you fish? casually with me similar to the way you're fishing in a tournament can can you can you dial it down can you back off and just be out there having a good time and not pushing so hard that
4: no that's my that's my problem that uh you know i've never been able to turn it to tone it down at all like when i go even with the kids like you know we're having a, a you know we're having a competition against each other you know <laughs> And, uh, you know, we're fighting over the front and everything. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Even, you know, uh, just, you know, I noticed that like, uh, it started like taking the kids tubing and stuff, you know, just a few. So, and, uh, you know, when they were like, what that we're going to swim today, you know, they were shocked. Cause, uh, we were just, you know, as soon as that boat hit the water, we were casting and going. So it was just, uh, really hard for me to turn it down I try to when we take our like summer vacations to off a little bit and put some of the rods up but uh it's always really it's always a struggle
0: uh, please, please tell me that you don't have those kids out on family vacation and, and you got a tube connected to one side of the boat and, and you're trolling off the other side
4: oh yeah that's how, that's how we roll <laughs> we always have tube tied on there and uh you know I'll throw them off pretty good to where they need a break they're like oh dad that one happened got- Ooh, sorry, kids, and uh, yeah, and then I get to fish for a little bit while I are
0: taking a breather. So, <laughs> oh, you you are yeah. you are as hardcore as you come. Two and a quarter million in earnings. You're, you're folks. You're listening to a man who seventy six percent of the time finishes in the money. I don't know if they do uh, fishing tournaments in Vegas, but if if they do, uh, I, I might put a couple bucks on John Cox every time I have to, That'd be a good income source. That's right, a that's a, right. that's a good income source. Uh, talking about, you know, you do a lot of interviews and you're so cordial and nice and friendly. Is there a question that if if we saw you, if this was video and somebody asked you a question that you would roll your eyes and go, oh, man, not again. Is there a particular question that you don't like hearing?
4: Oh, gosh, no. I, I'm pretty much, I'm open to everything. And I I mean, I'm always uh, you know, I, a lot of stuff I didn't always think is not that interesting Uh that a lot of people are always like, oh, man, I didn't know that. Or like, you know, like something that, you know, I forget that, you know, yeah. I think it's just normal. And then, but, you know, so, yeah, I just I don't mind it. You can ask me anything. Uh,
0: you All know, right. it's just. Yeah. All right. Now, I said you're one of the happiest guys I've ever seen, John. You're so happy and friendly. Does it, for lack of a better, I don't know if I, yeah, it's a, it's a podcast. Do you get pissed off when people, I want to say sell you short in the way you fish? You talk to a lot of media people in fishing, and they would right. almost like to have you believe that, that's my dog, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, they, they would have you believe that John Cox doesn't know how to use the new, advancements in sonar that you don't know how to turn that forward facing sonar on. And that I read something that uh, up until June last year, they said you had not caught a fish in uh, more than four feet of water. And you listen to these people that say, you don't know how to use the sonar. They also say, oh, John Koch can only catch uh fish in shallow water. If they're not on docks shallow that he can right. throw to or sight fish, he, he screwed. That's not true at all. <laughs> that is not true at all, is it? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, um,
4: yeah. I mean, I have to agree with them. I don't really know how to use any of that stuff. But uh, and I still use, you know, I still use, you know, big game, you know, mono, you know, trialing big game that you buy at Walmart. You know, so there's just a lot of a lot of stuff. I just uh with all the advancements in fishing, there's a lot of stuff that uh, I just um, just don't feel don't even, I don't want to even take, uh, you know, part in it, you know, it just, I feel like it's going to change, take the fun out of it. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff I can't, but I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm totally fine. I, if, if I go out and I don't catch anything, as long as I'm throwing at the bank, I'm I'm fine with it, you know? Um, but, so I just don't, well,
0: know. That, that's, that said, Uh, I saw an interview. No. I, I saw it, I saw an interview on Bassmaster where you said your favorite fishing was in the state of New York. And that completely yeah. threw me because I thought you first of all, I thought you want to fish in Florida. And if not there, uh maybe a shallower Texas lake or Alabama lake. Why why New York? Why New York? That doesn't seem that seems like it's totally different on out of your realm. Yeah, I mean, well,
4: so we, we've been I I've been going up there to like shampoo laying st lawrence and all them small lakes up there probably uh you know since i was 18 uh so uh i have just kind of in love with that area it's real clean clear water and usually i go up there when the kids are uh you know out of school and we'll spend like a month up there so just have a lot of good memory uh up there fishing with the kids and stuff and we always catch a lot of fish so um that's why i like it that's why it's my favorite you know just uh, the, the really good memories of being there catching you know, you can catch a four or five pound largemouth and turn around and catch a four or five pound smallmouth. So it's a lot of fun.
0: For for those people in, in, in areas of the country where they don't have both largemouth and smallmouth, is there a difference in catching a five pound largemouth and a five pound smallmouth?
4: Oh yeah, yeah. Smallmouth is uh is a lot pulls a lot harder. Um, you know, it'll it'll smoke the drag on the spinning reel. Uh Where the largemouth, you know, you can kind of pull on them and, and, you know, just, you know, lift them up off the bottom and get them. But them smallmouth, when you hook them, they just, they take off and then they jump straight out of the water. So it's just a lot of fun. You
0: know, I guess we have to thank TV for that because 20 years ago, there was an awful lot of people that never saw a smallmouth in their life, let alone thought about catching one. And and, and now you see these things, you you want to book a trip to a smallmouth lake
4: oh yeah without a doubt like i i honestly i i you know i tell everybody i know you know if they haven't got to experience that um it's something you have to put on your bucket list because there's nothing else like it uh when you hook that first one even if it's a you know two to three pounder it's going to pull harder uh really any bass you know largemouth that you've caught you know down in the south
0: some of the some of the longtime pros the big names uh who, who lived and grew up in the south and have fished you know classics and and, and all that they sign up to fish that northern division uh I, you know like on the opens they'll f- sign up to fish the northern division say why why are you taking a step down to fish that and, and travel a thousand miles man oh man don't don't you like fishing smallmouth that's why we go there because we want to catch. and i said that that shows you there's something to this professional fishing that that lights a lot of guys' fires that you wouldn't think about. It's not just the competition the money; they want to catch the dang fish.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, all of us, we, I mean, to do this, uh, you know, a whole season. I mean, you got to love it, and that's what all the guys. I mean, we all love doing this, and um, you know, otherwise we would be doing something else. And it's just, you know, that's what it is. I mean, you up north and. uh you find a tournament up there, you know. If you don't if you don't have one scheduled or planned, you make sure you find a tournament up there and jump in it because uh, you just don't want to miss out on that. You know, you want to get. You know, it's only unfrozen up there for so many months, and it's just uh, you know, it's just such awesome fishing once the ice falls uh, out.
0: Oh, for sure, that is a, that is a cool thing. Well, John, uh, ask ask you a real quick question: Are, are you overbooked? Would you like
4: to maybe cut back a little bit? Oh no. i I honestly, like I am this was this was probably the worst go. This was I think six six weeks strip or something like that. I don't know, I lost count, but uh, this has by far been the most uh, days in a row where I haven't got a break. Um, but I'm fishing good, you know, and, and I'm feeling good, and uh'm ah. gonna really I'm gonna really save five days when I get home before I go to the next one, but from here out. Uh, is only uh, one, and then I'll have a week off or two, and then have a couple weeks off. So, uh, it for the, for the most part, we're through the worst, uh, the most busiest part of the season.
0: Yeah, you can't call it worst. There's no worst. Yeah, I was gonna right. say I was gonna
4: say worst. I, I know was, you call it you know, the worst that part, but it's been uh, it's been really good. These last six weeks have been pretty amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that is fantastic. Hey, hey, folks, uh, we, we're right out of time. I want to thank our guest, uh, the tin man himself, the one and only John Cox, great fisherman, and one of my favorite guys. Boy, I could listen to you talk all day. Best of luck to you. Best of luck to the family. We'll follow you the rest of the season, and I hope there's more great things ahead, John. Congratulations on your win at Lake of the Ozarks, and uh, keep knocking them dead, my friend. All right. Thanks, Steve. See you guys. Talk to you soon john cox did. that wraps up this week's edition of the we fish asa podcast the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire usa i'd like to thank today's guest dan johnston from st croix mike leonard american sport fishing association great guy great information i enjoyed talking to uh, our true winner the busiest guy on the water mr john cox uh, John and I were joined by Buster the Wonder Dog who felt that he needed to uh, cut into the interview and add his two cents. Thanks, Buster. Nice to make your uh, internet podcast debut. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered, Daiwa Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast every week. Available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcasts. You know, we love to hear from you. So you can contact us at our website, wefishasa.com, where you can also listen to the show. We answer everything we get. So fire up those keyboards and let us have it. If you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or someone we should have on the show, please let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing.